Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If you're aware of it, that's the first step. If you can afford to offset or to plant trees or to do something about it, then that's great. You know, get on board with that. Heck yeah. But if not, it's not the biggest thing that you should feel that shamed about, you know. Welcome to Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Traveling Jackie, and I'm here to explore travel, adventure, and lifestyle in ways meant to motivate you to move and get out and see the world. Let this show be a source of travel advice and inspiration, but remember that in the end, it's you who takes the leap. Hey guys, happy 2020. I hope everybody had great holidays and that your new year is off to a fabulous start. Mine certainly is. I've been playing hockey, skiing, doing the winter in Montana thing. I've seen Star Wars in theater twice already. It feels very restful here right now, which is so nice since fall is always my busiest travel season. In fact, I've had a lot of time to read. And on that note, I just shared a blog post about books that have changed my life. And the one book that I wish everyone who breathes would read, that is Essentialism, by the way. These are the kind of books that continue to teach me new lessons every time I reread them. And you can find that list if you're interested at travelingjackie.com slash books. And I'm sharing this because I'm happily accepting book recommendations right now and always, but especially now since I have so much downtime in this long, dark Northern winter. Uh, So if you check out the blog post, you can leave a comment there and recommend your favorite life-changing books Seriously, what is the one book you wish everyone would read? I want to know whether fiction or nonfiction. Let me know at travelingjackie.com slash books. I shared it on Instagram the other day and I've had so many great recommendations already. I can't even keep up with them. So thank you to all of you guys who have chimed in. It's pretty cool. My next international trip isn't until next month. So I've been stateside for almost two months right now and it's been really great. And I'll tell you, the trip that I'm doing next month is yet another trip with my girlfriends that I traveled with to Bosnia. You may have heard that recent podcast about the through hike that we did in a national park there. And this time we're going on an adventure to Morocco. I've never been there before. So hopefully I will have good things to report from that experience. Maybe we'll even do another podcast. Who knows? And speaking of girls trips, I did launch the women's retreat that I mentioned in the last episode. It is happening in Italy in May 11th to 15th. There are five spots left right now. Uh, You can find that at travelingjackie.com slash Italy. I was looking at flights today. I think I'm going to stay an extra week or two under the Tuscan sun while winter is melting into mud here in Montana. So ladies, check that out if you want to join me in Italy. And remember, if you are interested in my group trips, the best place for you to get up-to-date information for them is at jumpexperiences.com. That link will take you straight there on my website. And you can sign up there to get updates by email as well. They are more up-to-date than podcasts. So do that if you're interested. So this is my first episode of the new year. And as I mentioned at the end of the last episode, I am picking up a new routine for this show, which is sort of more like an unroutine, meaning I'm not worrying about sticking to an every two week timeline for the time being. And I'm going to be totally transparent for a second here. Making that decision has greatly decreased my stress levels already. And that's kind of important. So thank you for hopefully understanding that and for still being here for listening. We're going on six years this year with this show. That is a pretty big deal. Um, I am looking forward to publishing today's episode. It is an important topic and this interview turned out great. So here we go. We're actually trying something completely new today because this episode was not originally recorded for Jump. It was recorded for a show called 
Travel Fuels Life. And the host of that show, Drew Hanish, asked to interview me about sustainable travel for his show. And like I mentioned, the interview just went really well. And I believe this is an important subject. I'm grateful to Drew for asking for the interview in the first place. And now I've asked him if I could repurpose it and share it here on my show. And he agreed. And here we are. So what you are about to hear is the whole shebang as if you were listening to Drew's show itself, which I think is kind of fun. I've never done that before on this show. Um, and I'll have a little bit more to say at the end. There are a couple of things I want to add after having listened back to this interview. Uh, so I'll add those at the end, but Here's Drew interviewing me for his show, Travel Feels Life, about sustainable travel. I hope you like it. My focus has started to turn from just traveling to travel to traveling more with purpose and being more aware of what I'm doing as a traveler. And this past fall, I went to the TBEX conference, which is a travel conference in Billings, Montana. And Jackie Norse was there, and she is better known as Traveling Jackie. And if you listen to podcasts at all, travel podcasts especially, then more than likely you have heard her show before, The Budget-Minded Traveler, or her latest podcast called Jump with Traveling Jackie. And she's been giving us great advice over the years in how to get out there and travel on a budget and also how to get out there and, and be a better traveler. And during her keynote, she gave a very personal recap of her own journey from global traveler to blogger and podcaster. But what really struck me was the discussion about being a responsible traveler and I've been amazed at how much more concentration there is on being a responsible traveler outside of the United States, but probably not as much inside the United States. And with all of this cheap airfare and a good economy, we're getting out there and in some cases, maybe wreaking a little bit more havoc on the environment. Uh, than we even know that we're doing. And so we start hearing these terms like over-tourism and carbon footprints and the destruction of the coral reefs and fires in Australia and the uncontrolled pollution from single-use plastics. And even while I was in Kentucky just a couple of days ago, they were actually debating whether they were going to do away with plastic bags in grocery stores and, and retail outlets, which all of this stuff is great and we're getting an awareness towards it, but I haven't spent a lot of time on it here in the podcast. So when Jackie brought it up during her keynote address, I thought this would be a great opportunity to have somebody who has tons of travel experience who could come on the show and we could have a little dialogue about sustainability, responsible travel, and the like. So it is my great pleasure to welcome to the show, Traveling Jackie. Jackie, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to be here. Yeah. So does it feel odd being on the other end of the uh, of the podcast as you do your own and, and now you get to have some questions fed at you? I know, you know, it's, it's funny as we were, we were just talking about this off record, but yeah, I actually love going on other people's shows because this time you get to do the work and I just get to <laughs> you know, chat about things that I know about and it's super easy. And so, no, I love it. You've been traveling since what, 2003? So I understand. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you're not in the, you're not in the 19s. You're, you're in the 21st century. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, yeah, I was, I was 18 when I first left and that I studied abroad in Costa Rica at 18 for a year. And that kind of kickstarted everything for me. That was the first time that I really felt like I kind of found myself in this element that felt so organic and natural that I was completely Hooked. And that base, that element wasn't just Costa Rica. It was just being out of the United States, uh, learning new culture, new language, new skills, new everything, um, and just exposing myself to the other that I absolutely fell in love with. And that turned into another year of study abroad in Italy the next year and um, just kind of snowballed 
And it was, I mean, I kept studying abroad. I kept traveling. It was mostly on my own, but sometimes with programs or with friends. Um, it's been all over the place that I've I've traveled with groups and, and everything. So, and then it kind of snowballed into, I became that person that everybody started asking questions and, um, you know, how do I do this, that, where do I get this and for travel. And so that is how I eventually started the blog. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 10 years later though. Wow. So I had already had all this like 10 years of experience by the time I started the budget minded traveler. And so I just, you know, just downloaded my brain basically into the <laughs> podcast, into the blog and, um, and that took off. And I mean, that was a very long story short to kind of get to where we are now. There've been lots of changes and involvements over time. I have much more p- projects and platforms now than just the, the budget minded traveler, um, as you know, but, um, yeah. So what is it that you'd like to know about that whole like, 17 years? <laughs> that we're not here all day. Yeah, so if we're looking at like 17 years of travel, and we're kind of in a golden age of travel, I would say right now, because it's it's inexpensive and there are so many people doing it. How? What is the biggest change you've probably seen from 2003 to, to now in the world of travel? Hmm, I think it's becoming, I mean, with the involvement of blogs and the internet, um, you know, it's becoming much more... I want to say like almost like a household name, you know, like travel is everywhere. People are doing it everywhere. And like back when I studied abroad in Costa Rica, we didn't even have cell phones. Mm -hmm. You know, like we went to internet cafes to write mass emails to people. (laughs) And when the electricity would go out because it was rainstorming outside and you would lose the two pages of email you just started Uh. writing, you give up and you leave. Really? Like there, it was just, it was different back then. Now we have phones in our pockets. I still remember the first time that I was in like some tiny corner of Italy in a piazza, literally outside at a table at a restaurant. And I borrowed someone's iPod touch. Do you remember those? Oh yeah. Cause they had Wi-Fi <laughs> access. Ah. This is still before cell phones, but like before we all had like cell phones in our pockets, but, and I booked a hostel and I felt like the world shift. I was like, this is huge. <laughs> like I'm outside and I'm in a piazza and I'm booking a hostel in Northern Italy. And I was in the South, you know, it was just like, uh, mind-blowing to me but now like that that most people who are traveling now weren't even traveling then they're traveling now because it's so easy you yeah. know like you can you can book anything you can find information about almost everything you need online because of blogs and people who've gone before you it's so easy now and so i think that's the biggest change is that really is becoming more commonplace um, and I think more people are understanding that it's not ex- as, as not as expensive as maybe they previously thought. Yeah. So now with more people out there traveling, how has your pattern of booking trips and going places and decision of where you want to go, that sort of thing. How, how has that changed? Because I mean, there's Mm -hmm. now this concern about over tourism and Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times you have to, to plan ahead. I'm guessing back in 2003, you know, it, it wasn't quite as tough to get into some places, especially more popular places as it is now. No, not at all. I mean, that was, I think in 2011 was when I went to Peru and we booked our Machu Picchu hike 24 hours in advance once we arrived. Mm, mm. You know, like we got to Cusco and did a little shopping around the the tour operators like right there in the main plaza to basically compare prices and decide which one we wanted to do. And we had our choice of what Machu Picchu trek to do. I don't think you can do that anymore. Also, a fun fact about Peru. Guess what was not on the radar at all when I was there and somehow did not affect my trip? Huh. Have you heard of Rainbow Mountain? I have, yes. Of course you have. <laughs> That's always been there, uh-huh. you know? But back then, it was not on the radar. Like, it wasn't a thing. People didn't travel there. Uh, And so that's also a really good example. And I'm saying it didn't affect my trip to Peru because I had an amazing trip to Peru. I didn't go to Rainbow Mountain. mm -hmm. But, like, (laughs) I went all these other places that I found to be amazing. And, I yes, I did go to Machu Picchu. We did a hike, of course, which I highly recommend. I mean, it's one of those things. It is a seven. It's a wonder. Like, you've got to do it. But the idea now that so many people are... 
I don't even want to say following it in our footsteps. I just want to say our getting out there. Mm-hmm. It's really important for those of us with a voice, with a platform, with any kind of spotlight who people are watching to watch our steps and watch what we do. Because if, if we're just going to, you know, if, if we're just hitting all the touristy spots, it's not helping. It's mm-hmm. really not. I don't need somebody to watch me go to the Eiffel Tower to say, oh, I want to go to the Eiffel Tower. You know what I mean? Like that's right, not, right. it's not helping. Instead, what about a small uh, surf town on the Southern Basque coast of France that you've probably never heard of that has an amazing French school where I spent a month. Like that's the kind of thing that I would rather share. How about let's get off the beaten path. Like let's go explore like, just more outside, you know, let's put our money in the local economies instead of, um, you know, like you said, Mick cafe at the bottom of the Eiffel tower, you right. know, whatever. I mean, <laughs> it does matter. And so I have over the years, I mean, I'm not saying that I, I mean, I've been to the Eiffel tower. I mm-hmm. went to the Eiffel tower back in like 2009. Like I've done those things. And I understand that. I think most people still want to do those things. It's iconic. I get that. But while you're on a trip to, France, you know, check this out as well. Do something else. I mean, don't spend all your time in Paris, Um, something like that. You know, so those are the things that kind of come to mind of just, yes, we, I am traveling a little differently now. Maybe what I'm sharing is different. There are places, uh, for example, in Patagonia that I just won't say where they are, you Mm -hmm. know, or not even just Patagonia in the Balkans. I mean, there are some gems on this planet and I, I, (laughs) It's hard because I love them so much that I don't want to see them ruined by over tourism. Right. Um, And so you have to be a little more discreet about it. And the thing is, that was my adventure. Those places are out there. If you go out there, you're going to find them too. You don't need me to tell you where to go. You Mm -hmm. know, like you don't need me to say this is exactly the place that's going to speak to you. No, I don't even know that. Those were the places that spoke to me. But that's why, like, I encourage you to go out and Find the thing that speaks to you. Like, where do you want to go? Don't ask other people. Get off the beaten path. Have your own experience. Right. It does matter. It does matter. So it is different now. So it's interesting to see the way that I used to travel, which was, and I still travel this way, unfortunately, a lot of times. It's it's like I go somewhere and I feel like I need to see everything. And I'm in this hyperactive mode to go here and here and here and here and make sure that every day is filled to the teeth with, uh, you know, all sorts of activities and to really just immerse myself instantly in, in a culture. But... Um, how do you see that? Do you feel like, I mean, this to me, that's where my mind goes when I'm thinking about sustainable travel and I'm saying I'm not doing it right because I'm, I'm trying to go to too many places and I'm not getting to know any single location. And it, it feels like from the very beginning, you were immersing yourself in different, different cultures. Have you ever had that time where you were just like bouncing from place to place? Cause you just wanted to see as many places and oh, check yeah. off as many as you could. Absolutely. Of course. I've had a URL pass before, you know, like 14 cities in two weeks or something, not cities, but places, right. stops, I should say. Yeah. Um, I've definitely done that. And I wouldn't like, don't shame yourself. Don't, don't feel bad because sometimes it depends on our situation as well. I had the opportunity. I was a Spanish major. I had the opportunity to study abroad for an entire year. Mm. I did that. Mm-hmm. I did it again. I've done it since, you know, like, um, but I know there are a lot of people out there who only have two weeks and they want to go to Europe what do you do? You hit as many places as you can. That's okay. Because you know what is better than not going at all. And you're going to get a taste for what you like, what you maybe don't like, what you want to see more of. And if you can knock off all those iconic places in one trip, then guess what? Next time you get off the beaten path, you know, like there's no real, I mean, it's, it's not like you're doing it wrong. Like you said, like, I don't want you to feel like that about travel because you're learning as you go. You're having experiences that are changing you, opening you to the world. And that is what matters. So as long as you can get out, see these places. And if you have a little feeling of guilt for being so on the beaten path, just get off of it. You know, like just change something. Listen to yourself, go, go somewhere else. Like let's take Rome, for an example, Italy, Mm -hmm. there are 
I used to live in Rome and I, I, ne I, I always encourage people to be in Rome for at least three days because especially if you're over, if you're there over a Monday because the Vatican is closed. Mm -hmm. um, so you and you've got to see these places. Like you, you, you must see the Colosseum. You've got to do the tour, learn about it while you're there. You know, go to the Vatican. You've got to see the Trevi Fountain. All these things. There's like a, a like a circuit in Rome that you have to do. And I think that it takes three days. Mm -hmm. And so I highly encourage people to do that. But guess what? If you have a week, then stay for a week. And do your things in three days and then like explore the neighborhoods and find the backyard alley restaurants, which are divine, you know, and just spend a little bit more time there. And then maybe you can get a better feel for it. If you must do Rome in three days and Florence in two days and Venice in two days in one trip, do it. And then go back and rent a villa somewhere in Lazio or Umbria, like maybe Tuscany, but that's the one everybody knows about. But really like the rest of Italy is freaking gorgeous too. You know, it doesn't matter. Rent a car and get lost. You'll have the time of your life. So it, it's not like you, you need to shame yourself, but just be open to what you're feeling, what you're learning, and what you want to experience more of. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I've sort of found myself wanting to push myself to do more in a single destination instead of taking these big flights from place to place. And I think that comes from this concern about my carbon footprint and what I am doing to the environment. So should we be settling down and taking less trips or doing more walking or biking when we're in a destination? I would like to say that that's a, that's a personal choice when you get to that. And when you understand how important that is, that's a, that's great. And I would encourage you to look into it if you don't know what this is about already. Um, we have a huge disadvantage living in the United States because we are a flight from everywhere. Yeah. Unless you're traveling within our own country or like taking an overland trip down through the Americas, you know, um, we have to fly to Europe. We don't have the choice of of skipping the one hour Ryanair flight and just driving to Barcelona, you know, mm -hmm. like we don't have that choice. We've got to fly. And so it is very good to be aware. Um, I do not think that staying home because of carbon emissions is a better choice than not traveling. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And not exposing yourself and learning about the world and being there and seeing everything. Um, I don't think that. But if it does bother you, there are so many things you can do to offset your carbon emissions. Um, there's a lot of websites that can walk you through things like that. So really, you just need to Google it. Um, it can be expensive. And so that can be overwhelming. But perhaps if you don't want to carbon offset like all of your flights or something. Maybe you can instead purchase your water bottles or your gear or whatever it is from companies that are offsetting their own mm. footprint. You yeah. know, I mean, there are other ways to do it. When you book a when you book a an adventure tour, for example, if you do that, see if the company is doing it or seek out a company that is doing something to give back. Um, you know, just if if you're aware of it, that's the first step. If you can afford to offset or to plant trees or to do something about it, then that's great. You know, get on board with that. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, but if not, it's not the 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 biggest thing that you should feel that shamed about, you know. Um, if if you have the option in Europe, then yeah, maybe take a train instead of a flight to somewhere. Like when you do have the option, sure, act upon it if it makes sense for where you are and your schedule and all of that. Um, I do think though, awareness is the first step and that will cause you to act in more sustainable ways, even in other ways, even if it can't be the carbon carbon offset. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have you, have you ever found yourself maybe not taking a trip because you thought, um, you know, maybe this isn't, as necessary a trip uh, as, as something else. Like for instance, you're running a business. So it's some of your business meetings that you may have along the way, uh, have you ever said, Hey, maybe that's something that I should uh, just do an online meeting for that and, and not, or do you tag on to that trip other places to go that, that have been on your list for a long time to go to? 
Um, I usually, oh, when you're talking about meetings, conferences, like I live in Montana, uh-huh. I mean, the, the meetings either online or it's not. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I, I will travel to, uh, conferences all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I have the space in my calendar and the desire, I will add on to the trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I like like you just said, for me, it's a business now. And so I have to be careful of how I manage my time, even when it comes to travel, because travel is my work. And so right. um, it's it's not aimless. It used to be. I used to kind of just wander the world because that's where I was. <laughs> um, but I'm in a different place now and it's it is my business. And so um, everything I try and make everything I every trip everywhere I go, there's a reason I'm there. Um, and often I will, uh, have, for example, last fall, I had two different projects in Europe, um, that were a few weeks apart. Mm-hmm. And so it, the choice was to either come back in between for two weeks and then go back to Europe or just stay there for two weeks. Right. You know, and of course I opted to stay and, um, I found another project to do. I've, you know, my girlfriends and I actually planned a, a girls backpacking trip during those two weeks in Bosnia, which was amazing. Talk about off the beaten path, you know? So yeah, I have used, I have, I do try to use my time wisely when it comes to travel. That makes sense. And that's great. The, the idea of just, Hey, my decision-making is actually coming more from that protecting the environment side. And I get a bonus because I get two extra weeks in Europe and can do some stuff Hmm. while I'm here. So yeah, that's very cool. Let me just add real quick to that. Since I've spent so much time in Europe, those two weeks were completely like, I mean, was visiting a friend in Munich. We went somewhere I'd never been before, but all of it was something I hadn't done yet. Mm. And so once you knock off those big things on your list, you know, you can just kind of chill. Yeah. where, Where does the path go now? You know, and like, that's why I went to Bosnia to do a backcountry backpacking trip in Bosnia. I was like, yes, this sounds awesome. And it was, but yeah, it's because of that extra time, you know, like getting off the beaten path and understanding that once you've, once you've seen the things that you wanted to see everything, it evolves Mm -hmm. your, your bucket list, I suppose, your, your willingness to travel to places it evolves too. Well, let's let's talk about some of the strategies that we can use in terms of packing and that sort of thing that, that we can do since now we are going to definitely go somewhere and we want to pick up some good practices along the way. So one of the big issues is single-use plastics. And I, I, I heard this term uh, the other day and I thought it was, uh, it was very interesting. Greenwashing, which is the, um, it, it, when somebody markets to you that they are green, but in reality, what they're doing isn't having very much of an impact. It's just kind of a, Hey, look at us kind of thing. And to me going to a hotel and them having the signs that say, leave your towels down, we're a green company. We won't, you know, it, the, the onus is on you to make sure that you're, uh, you know, not having us wash these, these towels so often, but then they have these little single use plastic bottles of shampoo and, you know, yeah. there's, there's very few hotels that I've seen recently. Luckily, Airbnb is now kind of pushing towards this, but you know, where they have the, the pumps now and that, uh, you don't have to use the single use plastics. They, they refill those. But I mean, what, what has your strategy been along the way to try to avoid using plastic, uh, especially single-use plastic along the way? Mm -hmm. The first thing is definitely get a water bottle if you don't have one yet. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got to travel with your own water bottle, a reusable water bottle. And if you can, uh, grab one that has like by Life Straw or by Grail or um, that's G R A Y L mm-hmm. the ones that have their own built-in filtering system. If it, depending on where you're going in the world, that could matter, but you know, first basic step, definitely have a water bottle that you can reuse because you can fill it in most places in the world. You can just refill your water bottle. Always ask first, obviously when you get somewhere, but oftentimes too, if a, if a, if a place doesn't have 
clean water out of the tap for you to drink. Um, and you don't have your own filter because you can drink out of those when you have your own filter for your water bottle. Um, then possibly they'll have a clean water jug somewhere in, in the, like in the hotel or something that you can use to refill with. Um, so definitely when it comes to water bottles, pay attention to that. See, that's, and just, I was gonna say that's an interesting one for me because I just went to Mexico and, uh, and actually in Hawaii, I had this happen as well, where, you know, there was a tank of water in there for me to be able to get water out of. Um, but my thought was going still, should I, even if it's coming out of this, uh, bottled water, uh, or they've provided this bottled water, should I be trusting that? Or should I still go to the plastic bottles that I'm buying in the store? And up to this point, I've been buying the plastic bottles in the store. So you're, your experience in places like Mexico and, and other places where the water is sometimes questionable, um, do you feel that the bottled water that they're providing in the big tanks is actually fine to drink? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I definitely would. Yeah. Um, and that's where if you have your own filter, filter it anyway, if you feel like that. Right. It's not that expensive to get your own filter now. You can get a life straw, like which is actually just a straw that you can put into any drinking vessel and drink straight through. Mm -hmm. um, or you can get a life straw bottle. I'm not sponsored by them. I don't. I'm just <laughs> What's yeah. out there? Yeah. Um, the Grail bottles are sweet. They're like they're like French presses. They have a filter in them, and you you like fill the shell, and then you oh, press it down. Okay. Drink right out of it. Yeah. Those bottles get kind of big and bulky, but they're very worth it if you are, you know, heading, depending on where you are in the world. It, as long as you have your, uh, what is it, the, your HEP series shots, like all of that, that's supposed to protect you from unclean water and unclean food and all of that. And in places like Mexico, make sure that they're not, or if, if you get it, for example, if you get, if you order a drink that has ice in it, pay attention to the ice too. Uh -huh. ask them where they get their ice because they have to buy their ice, not make it. Do you okay. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You got to buy your ice from, yeah. Like packaged ice so that it's clean. Um, so that's another thing to think about, but, and sometimes it's hard. I mean, if you're in the back country in Jordan and all they have are big plastic water bottles for the group that they've backpacked in for you for miles, then that's your choice. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, this is like, these are extremes here. Like do what you can when you can. Mm -hmm. um, if you reusable straws are like all the rage right now. Um, I think I've gotten, I don't know, six gifted to me at the last few conferences <laughs> I've been to because everybody's into it. Yeah. They're all making their own branded, you know, they're like metal or bamboo. And so that is a really easy thing to even slip it in your car, put it in your purse, in your backpack, whatever you're carrying around, because then you can always have it. Just the other night, actually, we went to see Star Wars at the movies, of course. Yeah. And um, we ended up getting, oh, this was like straight back to our childhood, but we ended up getting one of those giant slushy Coke things, like, <laughs> like a Slurpee, you know? Right, right. And they gave it to us and it didn't have a straw in it, but it had one of those domed caps with a hole in the top. And I was like, what do we do with this? Like, is there a straw here? You know, and I'm looking around and I'm thinking this would have been the perfect opportunity to use one of those six reusable yeah, straws that yeah. I don't actually like carry with me when I'm at home. I'm like, why don't I carry these with me when I'm at home? Why not? You know, like we order drinks when we're out, let's use them. I think the hard part, especially for a male, I don't have anything to put it in. And so it's like, it's going to be this big, the ones we got at T-Bex, I got two of them at T-Bex and <laughs> they're, they're both metal. I looked at it. I'm like, what is this thing? And, um, mm -hmm. somebody said, oh, that's a, that's a reusable straw. And I was like, oh, well, cool. I've, I, I don't have one, but where am I going to put it? I can't put it in mm -hmm. my pocket. Every time I bend over to pick something up, I'm going to be impaled by yeah. this thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, to, you know what? I'm kind of with you because I actually don't carry a purse. Like I, I don't carry something around with me, mm -hmm. but I usually think ahead. So here's, here's a funny thing about me. I love koozies mm -hmm. and I know that when I'm going to a brewery, for example, I will bring my own koozie. So uh, I usually think ahead about that. How easy would it be to also bring a straw? 
Or how easy would it be to also throw a straw in your car, in the glove compartment, you know? Or when you're traveling, I know that you carry something as well. Like you're not walking around Rome just with your hands in your pockets, you know? Like you usually have something, whether it's a jacket with zipped pockets or somewhere that you can put a little something extra. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, most, even most men will carry a backpack or an over the shoulder bag or something when they're traveling. So that is a good opportunity to slip one of those in. Another thing that you can put in with your straw is one of those um, reusable fork spoon things. Yeah. Um, spork. Because that way you can avoid taking, yeah, a spork, a fork spoon thing. Yes. Um, <laughs> AKA fork. Spork, yes. Um, but sometimes they have like a knife edge on them, you know. That's yeah. another really brilliant thing to just carry with you because then you can avoid the plastic uh, utensils and straws all together. It's just one thing you can do and a water bottle, you know? Yeah. So what about in terms of packing? Do you tend to pack light uh, or, I mean, I know as much traveling as you do and you're traveling to places for long periods of time, uh, you know, maybe that plays into your decision as well. But do you try to be a light packer as much as possible? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I am only a carry-on traveler. Mm. If you have traveled as much as I have, you understand the incredible, invaluable, like, lesson behind traveling light. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So the the less you have to carry, the, the better your world is and your shoulders. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I definitely, I actually have an ongoing list. See, the, the cool thing about the way that I travel now is I have it so dialed as far as what I pack and my trips are so similar, meaning I always have to be prepared for everything. So I've got all of my adventure gear plus usually casual clothing for conferences as well. That's like my world these days in the same pack, in the same packing, you know? And so um, I kind of just have it down and I actually have a list of all those things because it's so dialed mm -hmm. at um, travelingjackie.com slash pack. That's the, it's like I update it because the, the, the items that I use, I've learned to trust so well that I could pack with my eyes closed. Like I just, I always have to have my mobile office with me. So there are certain things that I carry on the road that I have to have because I've learned over the years that this is what I need. Um, and then like, my my adventure clothing and then my regular clothing and then a bunch of cool little other random things like a running belt that you can keep there you go you can keep your straw in there too nice okay <laughs> yeah, like, there you go. it like can go under your clothes you know and you can just like walk around with it or or just a straight up fanny pack i mean i totally rock the fanny pack when i travel i love it uh, and you have to carry it you yeah know? Well, uh, we're, I'm actually going on a trip to Barcelona not too long from now, and I've been sitting there considering. I've never taken anything more than just a jacket for carrying things around, and I'm thinking, where am I going to put all of my stuff? I don't necessarily there want to have uh, a wallet in my back pocket and all that sort of, you know, no. w watch nope. out for people uh, boosting my stuff. Um, so, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe that's the new strategy that I'll take on is to finally get the fanny pack and and, uh, and yeah. go with that. So yeah, just get like a low profile one that kind of stick. You know, and one obviously one not from like <laughs> REI that like is huge and can right. fit your whole digital <laughs> SLR and like stands out. No, no, no. Yeah, like something yeah. that's just like low pro and kind of hugs your body. They're awesome. Nice. So, are you a camper? Do you like camping? Oh yeah. Okay. Hello. Uh, okay. I was going to say you go to uh, when you're going to South America. Probably camping is one of the the best ways to see the country. I would imagine. Well, I think camping is a great way to see any country. Um, absolutely. But I also love nature. I love the backcountry. I love being outside. And so that's me. That's my personal preference. But one of the best trips I ever took was spending a month driving down the length of the southern part of Chilean Patagonia, mm -hmm. actually the entire length of Chilean Patagonia. Oh, wow. And um, we went in a forerunner and we camped every night and just like made our way down and hiked. And oh my gosh, it mm. was absolutely amazing. Incredible. You know, when I, I went to Lake Tahoe not too long ago and they are very insistent on the whole leave no trace concept. 
and mm-hmm. and the, I mean the waters there are pristine. It's it's hard to believe mm-hmm. that it's not that far <laughs> from overpopulated California. Um, to see how they're handling the environment. What are some of the things that that you pay attention to when you're trying to uh, protect the environment while camping? Uh, well, I definitely. I'm a huge fan and proponent of leave no trace, which is, I mean, essentially it's keep your etiquette about you, you know, pack out what you pack in, leave the place cleaner than you found it. Don't disturb wildlife, stay on the trail. Don't disturb other people either. Like keep your music to yourself kind of thing and, and make sure your fires are out. Don't even put them in places. They're not um, legal. In fact, Tahoe's big on that because it's so the fire danger is high there. And I mean, that whole area is national forest. And so, yeah, they do a lot to protect it, um, including the lake itself. I'm actually from Lake Tahoe originally. Oh, are you? Okay. So that, yeah, I grew up there yeah. on, on the West Shore. Um, and so that place really means a lot to me as well. So I understand, like, and I love, I so appreciate their communal efforts to protect it. And there's, there's a league to save Lake Tahoe and everything. I mean, it's, it's like a big deal. And a lot of places in the world don't have such organization like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of places are getting there. I mean, like we're talking about Patagonia and all the recent development of national parks down there and donation of land by Tompkins Conservation to the government so that it can be made into national parks to, to preserve this pristine, um, these pristine places. Um, but yeah, the leave no trace is big. Also pay attention to when you're going because, um, for example, getting into the backcountry when it's super muddy and rainy could actually make the trails worse if you're hiking on them, especially multiple people, you know, or mm-hmm. biking on them, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just it's just a, a respect for the place that you're in, a recognition that you could harm to this place. Let's do more good than harm. You know, yeah. that's basically what it comes down. In fact, that is sustainable travel in a nutshell mm, <laughs> is nice. is using travel to do good, to leave a place better than you found it. And if you are aware and your friends aren't, make them aware. Share, leave no trace with them, you know, like spread the message because everyone needs to be aware. That's the first step is just being aware of your impact on an environment. Do you ever purposefully stay away from certain places? Because like, for instance, last time I went to um, Utah, I I did not go to Zion. I've never been to Zion, Mm -hmm. but I've just heard how many people are there and and it makes me feel like, I need to lower the impact on that place just by not going. <laughs> do you ever do that? Well, if I, I mean, I guess that's when you can think, okay, when are you going to these places? Like, are you going to go in the middle of July or what if you go in April, mm-hmm. you know, or even March, like it's to Moab, especially those places are accessible year round. Mm-hmm. And that's when your, your dollar can, can also do good is to support the off season in places. Um, so you can think about it that way. If, if yeah. you, if you must go or how are you going or, you know, meaning are you going with a tour operator somewhere? Who is this tour operator? Where is their money going? Um, you know, or if you're going on your own, what if you, if this is a place that means something to you, like what if you, yeah, go to Moab and then look into something that you can donate a little bit of extra money to for um, the preservation of, of the parks down there. Nice. Let's look at uh, local destinations. Have you seen any specific examples of how these local tourist destinations are dealing with protecting their own resources? There's a really popular trek in Southern Patagonia that I have done several times. It's called the W Trek and um, it's, it's getting very famous. The first time that I ever saw a picture of it, it was like through someone I've never even met their Instagram. I just saw this picture and I was like, wow, I need to go there. And when I did, it totally changed my life. And I have gone back lots of times. I lead groups there, but, um, this is a very touchy subject because this is one of those places that has become super iconic over the years. And it is, it is making, and it's having an impact. It's having a negative impact on the place. Um, and so the park that is directly there has, I've seen just in the last three, 
years, I think, have just about doubled their prices for everything, including lodging, including your park entrance fee. Like everything has gotten way more expensive and they're refining their permit system. So now you have to have a permit to get into the park, which is, these are good things, but it's, it's even the management there is such a mess. Mm -hmm. It's a bureaucratic mess because actually, I mean, this is this specific place, but it's a really good example because you never know where the places you're going, how they function. This specific place has three different landowners in the park which is wild. So not one entity is governing the whole thing. And so they're trying to work together to handle the rise in tourism. Like it's a mess. And so it really does matter that you pay attention. Just you need to follow the rules when you go to places like this. It matters. They're in place for a reason, like staying on the exact marked trail because they're trying to re- reforest the other one. You know, they're trying to restore the places where people have trampled in the past. They're trying to re just, I guess, just fix this area, you know? Yeah. And, um, so that's, so for me specifically, I have then the question, okay, am I adding to the problem or am I helping? And I believe that when I take my groups there, um, that I am doing it the right way. And I, I would encourage everybody to go, like, I want you to travel there with me because I know I'm doing it the right way and I will educate you while we're there to, mm. to protect it and to preserve it and to love it the way that I do. You know, um, the, from the tour operators that I work with and what they're doing in the local community to um, the way that I am donating to that specific land the park and and the way that I am at least corralling 12 people at a time to stay on the trail, to stay in the, in the lodgings, like to respect where you are. We do a little naturalist talk at the beginning. Like it's all about etiquette in the backcountry. That is my contribution. These people are going to go there anyway. I'd rather they go there with me and do it right. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. yeah. And what you're doing is you are actually teaching them when they go to other places and then they can pass that information on to the people they travel with, which I think is fantastic. Exactly. And not just do it in the one place, but maybe they understood how serious the the situation is. And if, if that can happen in one place, maybe they'll think about that in the next place they go as well. And the next and in their home. Yeah. As well. So what's interesting to me about sustainable travel and this whole concept of, of protecting our environment is, is watching my own evolution and knowing that early on when everybody was talking about global warming and everything else, it's, it's, it, to me it was just a political issue. I never really felt it as something that was impacting my life in one way or another. And one day I was watching a report on the albatross at Midway Island and how they're finding all of this plastic inside of these um, albatrosses, mm-hmm. they're, di- they're dying because they're basically being um, uh, killed. They can't eat anything because their stomach is so full with, with plastics. And mm-hmm. that was the thing that really brought an awareness to me and was like that moment when I said, wait a second, I can't just travel willy nilly. I can't do, you know, I have to pay attention to this. Did you, did you have a particular moment when you said, wait a second, what am I doing? And maybe I should be paying more attention to this. Yeah, I did actually. Uh, have you seen Chasing Coral? I have not. Oh man. I think that that movie has a really, really, really powerful moment. It's a documentary, mm-hmm. Chasing Coral. and uh, It's fabulous. It's, it used to be on Netflix. I'm not sure if it is anymore, but um, highly recommend that you guys watch it. That documentary has a really powerful moment. I don't think there was a dry tear in the house. I went to the the screening of it actually in Denver, because uh, or in Boulder. Um, that's where they did the premiere. It, it won a bunch of awards um, in film festivals. It's yeah. I mean, it's on Netflix. Like it, it made it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That watching that in the company of. My friends and who are in the industry, like we, I know the people who created the documentary because of the industry that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And 
just being in the room with them and seeing what they have done and watching this thing just really was like, okay, it, it not only showed a story of the coral, which happens to be pretty far away from where I live in Montana, right? but it was my friends in Boulder who did this. That hit home. It was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're in this. I can, I can do more. Like, yeah, I, that was my moment. And that was years ago. Yeah. Four years ago when Chasing Coral came out or three. I'm not, I can't remember. It, it is interesting that we can be so affected by something that Midway Island is not even a place that I have any you know, plans of going to see, but yet, uh, it, it's like these, it's like when people tell stories, uh, and they give you real life instances that you need something like that to kind of shake you out of this daze that you're in and, and, and get mm-hmm. you really thinking about things. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I mean, right now Australia is burning Yeah, yeah. and I can't even like, it gives me chills. I it's, it's, absolutely catastrophic what's happening over there and personally i've never been to australia Mm, wow that surprises me i know i'm i'm actually going in um september this year in october i'll be there uh which i'm really glad about now because we have a tourism conference that's happening there that is going to help you know like australia is going to need our help they need our help now and they're going to need our help after um, that's a good example of something we can do. You can just go visit Australia this year. You know, like they, they need you. Um, send your money there right now while you're not there. But um, my, my point actually was how much stronger is it for people who have been to Australia, who have held a koala or a kangaroo? You know, like that should hit home for those people mm-hmm. and it's 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 hurting me and i've never even been there but that is kind of the beauty of travel is once you can get out you can see these places you meet these people you have an experience and interaction with this environment and you hear about these stories later they become more than just stories they mean something to you they're part of your story now yeah i i, I really have found that people who don't travel I sometimes hear the way they talk about um, other places and I think, wow, you know, no wonder our politics are the way they are these days because there's <laughs> there's not enough people getting out there and really learning. I mean, for me, the first shot was going to Quebec and, um, you know, having people there kind of reflect back on me, um, you know, what they're their feeling was of Americans and I'm going, wow, well, this is interesting because I never really thought about this before, how you deal with language and and things like that, Mm -hmm. that we're very isolated here. We're a big country. We have a lot of space, but um, our cultural diversity is very unlike going to Europe where you have 50 countries that all have, you know, very different cultures and you have to know different languages to go from, from one to the next. And so I think we as Americans miss that opportunity and that travel for us is even more important, I think, than it is for people in Europe because we are so disconnected from the rest of the world. Everything you just said is exactly why I started my blog in the first place. Mm. Everything nice. to, to get people out. We need to this country more than probably any country in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, hopefully we can start working in some, some better ways of traveling. And I love the point that you made about Australia because that is the other side of the coin. It's uh, yes, we do have an impact by taking a plane somewhere, but we also have an impact by helping people in another part of the world um, lift themselves up even in, in a situation Mm -hmm. like that. So yeah, that's absolutely the, that's mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, the whole idea is using travel for good. It's completely possible. It really is. It really is. So where besides Australia is next on your list? I, I take it you're in Montana right now. I am. Yes, nice. I am home. It is winter. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're doing some shoveling, I'm guessing. Actually, no, we haven't had a big snow year this year. Oh, okay. So, okay. Um, have been doing some skiing, but no shoveling, gratefully. Nice. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm. My next stop is going to be Portugal and Morocco. I've never been to Morocco. I've never even stepped on the African continent before, and wow. so I'm pretty excited about that. That's coming up actually next month. So nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to Spain, and I, I thought, well, I could uh, cheat and go across on the ferry and and say I went to Africa. But I think I would rather actually immerse myself in Morocco. is a very interesting place for me. So yeah, I think you're gonna have a great time there. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Well, good, good, good. Well, um, and you do uh, group travel. Tell tell us a little bit about. Uh, what you're doing with group travel and um, other other things that you do that that people might be interested in. I do. Yeah, I it's always been my dream to, well, uh, get people out and, you know, see the world. And I first was doing that through my blog and then it became a possibility for me to do it in person and to take people to some of these places that have really had an effect on me. And so that's why I started doing group trips down to Patagonia. I've been doing that for four years. I just did my fourth one Hmm. um, in November. And I, along the way, along uh, my, my own travels, I spent three years nomadically traveling solo and learned quite a bit about what it takes to make big changes in your life and to support yourself through them mm-hmm. as I, cause I had actually gone through a divorce and then left Montana and was on my own for a few years, just traveling the world. And I started after that doing, well, actually when it wasn't quite finished, <laughs> I started leading women's retreats and these are a little different. They're still adventure trips, uh-huh. um, but they're also focused on the adventure inside you know, and, and the personal adventure through life, which I think is so important. Mm. And so I'm about to lead my third one of those in May in Italy. Nice. And um, yeah, in Tuscany on um, actually. So here's a cool example of off the beaten path for you. Everybody knows Tuscany, right? right. But we're going to Elba, which is ah, an island okay. off the coast of Tuscany. And yeah, so it's super off the beaten path. And that was very carefully chosen actually. But yeah, so I'm taking a group of women there in May. I actually still have spots left for that one. I'll be doing Patagonia again. I always do. We're going to Croatia for a bike and boat trip um, in September. And yeah, I'm just, I am absolutely loving being able to connect with my people in person and just have an experience together on the ground, you know, a travel experience that, I mean, they're just the best. They're absolutely my favorite thing that I do. And yeah, you guys can find all of that at jumpexperiences.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, great. And you have the podcast as well. Yep. My podcast, which is called Jump Now. Um, it's still going. Very and nice. And yeah, that's, that's been <laughs> a labor of love. It's been, ooh, it'll be, I can't count, six years this year? Nice. Yeah. Nice. Ooh. Yeah, so, <laughs> I'm on year one and two months, so uh, I got, nice. I got, Good wa- for you. <laughs> I got ways to go, but I'm getting there. <laughs> in it to win it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Well, thank you, so, thank you so much for spending time with us today. And I, I, I hope you have some fantastic travels and it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciated being here. Okay, there you have it. Thanks again to Drew for conducting a professional and fun interview and for allowing me to share it here. Like I said, there are just a few things I want to add. First, Chasing Coral is still on Netflix, so definitely check that out. Second, I could talk about packing literally all day. You guys know that. But one thing I packed that I had thought to mention and then promptly forgot again during the interview are uh, the little silicone reusable shampoo bottles. They are small, so they work for carry-on, less than 100 milliliters, and they are silicone, so they are squishy and can pack in tightly next to each other. And the best part is they don't leak, like they don't break, they don't crack, and they are super durable. I have used the same ones for years, all through my three years of nomadism and beyond. I just wash them out in between liquids. Um, And I have these linked to in my packing list, among other things, at travelingjackie.com slash So yes, reusable silicone bottles for shampoos, conditioners, soap, lotion, sunscreen, etc. All of the above. They are fabulous. And then you don't have to use little single use plastic bottles. 
The other thing I was going to mention was the other moment that I had when Drew asked if I had a come to Jesus moment about sustainable travel and I shared my chasing coral story. Um, I have another story that if you've listened to my keynote episode, a few episodes back, the keynote that Drew was talking about in today's interview, if you've listened to that, then you did hear it, but I'm going to mention it again briefly here. It was that time that I found out that my friend's 12 year old daughter was following me on Instagram. That was <laughs> the moment that I stopped and considered what kind of impression I might have on a 12 year old girl that's when I realized that I was playing a role, whether I recognized it or not. And that goes even beyond travel and that my steps matter more than I know. That really brought it home for me. And I'm grateful for that moment because it really made me aware. I kept saying throughout this interview that awareness is the first step. And that moment was one of my first steps to paying attention to my own moves and actions. Thank you guys for listening all the way to the end. We made it. I would love to know what you think about this episode and about my sharing Drew's episode on here. If you want to let me know, you can find me on Instagram at Traveling Jackie and say hi. And if you're listening close to the publishing date of this episode, I'm actually sharing this episode on Instagram via a photo of one of my days in Bosnia, that hiking trip that I took with my girlfriends I told you guys about. When I found about five or six empty plastic bottles, big ones, like big Coke bottles left, just left in the backcountry along our hiking trail. And I strapped them all to my pack and hiked them out. So if you see that photo on Instagram, feel free to leave any comments about this episode there, especially. So thank you guys for being here. Thanks again to Drew for doing all the hard work and letting me share this interview here on my show. Don't forget to check out his show, Travel Fuels Life. He does great show notes too. So if you want to reference or revisit anything we talked about today, uh, check that out. And again, happy new year to everybody. See you guys in the next episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.